All right. Good morning, everyone. I really appreciate being able to speak to you this morning. This this church, uh, kind of echoing what Pastor uh, Chad was saying there, this is this is a great environment to build up, raise up leaders, have uh, people learning how to preach. Uh, so this so this is a great uh, a great opportunity and a, a great honor for me. I love you guys. I love this church. And I, I have to say, you know, you start to get uh, up here and speak, and then uh, Stacy gives a word that so closely matches. Uh, Tracy and I are looking at each other, so closely matches what I'm going to talk about today. I'm like, oh, okay. So all I have to do is get up and follow the Spirit and just not get in the way, because apparently the, the Spirit's already uh, is already doing the heavy lifting here. So let's start off with the word of prayer and let's get into the word. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity. Lord, help me to get out of the way. You have something you want to say today, and I pray that it flows through. It's delivered faithfully to you, and we thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, I'm already going to switch up my uh, introduction a little bit because I really think that I need to establish where we're going before I get into the Word and how we're going to get there. And it really echoes a lot what Stacy was was saying uh, by by the word of the Lord is that I'm gonna I'm gonna try to thread the needle here on we need to be we need to understand that when we're Christians that we're going to offend people because the gospel is offensive, but also making sure that if we're offending people, it's because of Him and not us that we're not offending the world by ourselves and blocking them from him. That's exactly where we're heading today. Normally in sermon construction, you don't, you don't start off with your end point. You're not, so, but I want to establish that so that you know where we're going so that as I'm talking, you, you have that frame of reference of where we're heading. So if you do want to open your Bibles, where we're going to end up for the first scripture is in John 15. John chapter 15, starting with verse 18. But before I read that, I'll just go ahead and give you guys a chance to get there. Before I read that, though, I want to talk a little bit about a couple of mentalities in the church. This first one says, in the body of Christ, there's a, it's, there, it's uh, in a lot of Christian circles right now, saying the Christians should not be offensive. Christians should just be nice people. They should just say nice things, just should never offend anybody, never get involved in any controversy, never do anything that is offensive. Just be, just be nice people. And what, we, what they often will say is that, well, society should love us, right? That the, the people should love us. That's how we're going to win them, right? They, they should love us. We should be popular. Uh, I mean, wasn't Jesus popular? Didn't everybody just love Jesus when he was on the earth? Uh, wasn't it only, as I've heard on our, some of our Christian radio stations, teaching that says, oh, the only people that had a problem with Jesus were the religious people. Everybody else loved Jesus, and society loved him. I, I'm pretty sure we, you've probably all encountered that mentality at some point. It's, it's, some, it, it's, it's rather prolific. It's very popular right now in a lot of Christian circles. Oh, just, just be nice people. But is that what Jesus really encountered of what happened when he was on the earth? And you read through the Gospels. Uh, 
I, I was thinking and coming up here, you know, there, there's, uh, there's parts of the Gospels where you can't find a chapter without him offending somebody. Somebody get offend, getting offended at Jesus. His hometown, Nazareth, Nazareth uh, got offended at him. Uh, of course, the religious people were offended at him, but even his own followers. At one point, he has a pretty large group of followers, and after feeding the 5,000, he starts... He turns around to them, starts preaching about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and they all leave. They're, they're, this is a strange teaching. We're out of here. He ends up with just the 12. We don't know how many he had. He may have had hundreds at that point, but he ends up with just the 12. He turns to them, says, are you going to leave too? And they say, one of my favorite verses, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of life. They didn't understand his teaching either. They, they could have left too. But they just, they realized they didn't have anywhere else to go. I say all that to establish that Jesus loved perfectly and yet he offended people. So when the question comes up, well, should Christians be offensive? If we're truly loving people, to some degree, we're going to offend somebody if we're truly acting in love. That sounds strange to our mindset, but it's true. I'm going to go ahead and go to, uh, John 15 actually actually start using these notes that I <laughs> have. So John 15, verse 18, and I have to give a shout-out to Connie for preparing this PowerPoint presentation and the artwork and everything for me. This is not my skill. This is her skill. I very much appreciate it. So if the world hates you, that's an interesting place to start. We're already talking about the world hating us. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. This is one of those verses that doesn't necessarily uh, merchandise very well. You don't have a lot of Christian t-shirts or bumper stickers with this, the world hated me and they're going to hate you too. It doesn't seem to really get a, doesn't seem to get really uh, a lot of love uh, in uh, some of the Christian pop culture, but this is, this is the scripture. Jesus actually warns us, and I love this phrase, uh, remember when I told you a servant is not greater than his master? He's actually referring back to John 13, verse 16. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Uh, the context of that verse, and any time we're studying Scripture, context is really important. Context of that verse in John 13, he had just washed the disciples' feet, showing his humility and saying, look, you... If I'm willing to humble myself this way, you should be too, because you are not greater than me. He refers, refer, refers back to that idea and says, no servant's greater than his master. But in John 15, this context, he's saying, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. And, and it's easy to read through it, but let's take a moment to appreciate. Why, is he, why does he have to remind us that a servant's not greater than his master? In this context, it means that we're going to be tempted to think that oh, I can I can 
follow Christ and love people, and they're going to love me back. I'm going to somehow do a better job than Jesus did. Somehow Jesus loved perfectly, and yet people hated him, but it's somehow going to be different for me. I'm somehow better. I'm going to do a better job of loving, somehow, and people are going to love me back. That's exactly what he's warning us against. You're not, you're not, Jesus is saying, you're not better than me. You're not greater than me. If they, if I did it perfectly and they hated me, it's going to happen to you too. So that is where we want to start on this. Uh, and I'm actually going to have to move away from my notes already because they're just distracting me because I just got to speak. I just got to follow the spirit and speak from my heart here. I, I have to address this. We're, we're going to have to talk about the world hating us because there is such a, push in the body of Christ to say, uh, no, this, this is, so I, it may sound like I'm overemphasizing, say, aren't you supposed to preach on love? Uh, yes, we are. We absolutely are called to love the world. We, we know that. We're called to minister. That's exactly what we're going to talk about is sharing the gospel, and that comes from love. But I have to remind us that this, the gospel is an offensive message because there are a lot of people in the church that want to make it, water it down so much that it's not. Hey, just kind of be just like the world. Just sprinkle some Jesus in there and, and throw his name in there a few times and everything's great. And the gospel is a message that demands repentance and change and accountability. Ultimately tells us we're, we're going to be judged by God. It, it is, it's an offensive message. Let's go to um, Matthew ten thirty four. Because we need to talk about it. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, there's a mindset even in Jesus' day. So they had this mindset of the Messiah. He's going to come and he's going to bring us peace. Uh, he's going to overthrow the Romans who ruled over them. He's going to give us political peace and political safety. And that's what they had in mind, in mind for the Messiah. And he comes in and says, Jesus saying in Matthew 10, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Oh, okay. We thought you were. Now we're surprised. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man's a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household, which is a quote of Michael of Micah seven six. How often do we talk about the gospel in, in these terms of, whoa, whoa. Uh, thought it was supposed to be nice and uh, peaceful and we hug everybody and everything's good. We're talking about division within the family and a sword. We know the church, church history and a lot of what's going on around the world for someone to accept Jesus means to be outcast by their own family. There is, a, there is a lot of cultures across church history that if if you accept Christ, your parents renounce you. You're no longer you're no longer part of the family, and you split, split the family apart. You know, many of us may know uh, ourselves. If you're a believer and your family members are not, you feel you feel the pressure. You feel it, it causes problems. It causes conflicts. Not because you're trying to be mean or confrontational. You love your family, but if you are a follower of Christ, it's going to cause a difference. Now, it might be worth asking ourselves at this point, now, wait a second, uh, what, well, what is the gospel? What is this message 
which should really clarify definitions, make sure we're talking about the same things here. So the gospel is this. We ourselves, we're sinful, we're flawed, we're separated from God with no hope of ourselves being able to reconnect to him. We're, we're, he's perfect and we're not perfect and there, we, we, can't do any, we can't reach him. But he loves us so much that he reached us. He came and rescued us. He came and bridged that gap, that, that distance between perfection and imperfection. He did it. He took on our punishment so that we could have a relationship with him. Now, at first, I mean, to us, uh, you know, the body, we look at that. Uh, what a great message. We call that good news. The gospel's good news. That's wonderful news. We were lost, and now we have a way to, now we have a way to be saved. We have a way to go to heaven where we couldn't on our own. Why is that offensive? But the implications of that are this. Uh, in order to get to the point where you appreciate that, where, wow, we, we were lost and now we're saved, in order to appreciate that, you have to accept the fact that you were lost on your own. You have to accept the, I'm wrong, I'm flawed, I, I'm not okay on my own the way that I am. Uh, we humans, we don't like that. We don't like being told we're wrong. We don't like being told uh, you're not you're not a, you're not right in and of yourself. Also, it means that there is whether or not you accept His salvation. That means that God is real. That means that we're accountable. Getting uh, having a relationship with Him means that we are subservient to Him. We have to submit to Him. We're accountable. That there's an actual judgment, an actual heaven and hell. There's all of this is wrapped up in the gospel. The realization that we need to be saved, we need a savior, means that there's another side to it. And if we don't accept it, then there's punishment and judgment. And that is to to a mindset to a human that says, "No, I don't want him." Wait, my alternative is is his judgment, having to obey him or not. That's that's offensive. We, we as Christians, as human beings, how often we have to remind ourselves that we're wrong and flawed in our own. We have to, we have to constantly, that's part of why we, we get together and, and have messages and teachings and things is to remind us of this word because not naturally we don't like the idea that we're wrong. We like our ideas. We like our way of doing things. We, uh, we have to be reminded to submit to him. And to someone not willing to accept that, that's very offensive. That's very, that, that is, that's going to trigger a hate response. Now, I want to point out, going, uh, we don't have to change the slide, but just going back to John, he does, uh, Jesus does make a statement here that there are, there are those people. There. So the reason we're witnessing is because there are those people who will accept Christ. And that's, that's we, we want to make sure we reach those. So this is a, a, a big part for us as a church, uh, in our culture that we realize that it's worth enduring the hatred in order to reach those people that need Jesus. It really, it's worth it. It's worth people being offended at you. It might be work, might be your own family, whatever it is. It's worth people being offended at you to reach those who need, who will obey his, te- his teachings. Now I want to point out a little something I find strange is that I'm talking about a 
confrontational hatred that comes from this message, and that's not my natural personality type. Those of you that know me, I, I kind of like to get along. I don't like to cause a lot of trouble. I'm not, a, I'm not one that goes around looking for a fight. Not at all. So for God to give me this message, I don't know if you call it divine irony or what you call it, but this is, this is a little like, really? Like, why couldn't I get the, the nice, uh, encourage, you know, encouraging one or something? Why, why this one? But this is, it's that important. So I want to tell you a little bit about, so I want to give you some personal story to kind of illustrate where we're going with this. And this is probably jumping way ahead. I've lost track of where I am in my notes, but that's okay. Uh, the, so I've had a couple of experiences of uh, street witnessing, which is always interesting. So this is way back when, and I'm not going to tell you how far, how long ago it was. It's old enough to make me feel old. Let's just say that was that long ago. That uh, back at Cornerstone, we did some street witnessing at the fall festival, whatever year that was. We had a group praying at uh, praying at the church, and we went out to the fall festival. We we're going to street witness. That was very new to me, so I was like, "Okay, I'm glad I'm with a group, and we're going to kind of figure this out." Before we even leave, we already have uh, a word. Um, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me mentioning, but Bob Taylor, I think, was was the one who was there and had the word for us that there was already somebody waiting for us, sitting on a bench, ready to hear the gospel. Oh, okay, great. That's really encouraging when you're about to go out and oh, there's already somebody waiting for us who needs to hear it. That's great. So we go out. It took us a little while to find that person. We did, but it took a little bit. It took some people not very happy with us. Going around, fall festival is kind of a party. You guys know the environment. It's kind of a, so you go around and you start talking about Jesus. People kind of look at you strange or kind of get uh, a little annoyed with you or they'll, they'll pray with you just so you go away. Like, uh, they'll talk with you a little bit, and they'll, they'll say the prayer with you, and they're basically just to get you to go away. They think, you know, they're like, you know, okay. So we went through that a little bit. We had a couple of different groups. One group didn't have anybody open at all. It was just, go away, leave us alone. Group I was in, we had some people who, and we were being nice and loving as much as we could, but it's but just bringing up the name of Jesus will cause offense in and of itself. Or wanting to talk to them, willing to talk to them about something that is that important of life and death and your internal soul when they just want to eat some fried food and have fun. I mean, that's, yeah. But after we kind of endured some, even a couple of people yelling at us and some other people not, you know, not necessarily happy with us, there was a couple of young ladies sitting on a bench. We start talking to them and they're like, one had, uh, they were friends and they'd been, they, they stop and say, We've been praying that if God's real, he'd send somebody to tell us about him. Or, oh, ooh, okay. Uh, can't squander an opportunity like that. Uh, we start talking to them, and they, uh, oh, they were so open. One had been raised in uh, Judaism. One had been raised in Catholicism, and they were confused, trying to f- put those pieces together. And we, we just start witnessing to them. We wanted to disciple them, but they were like, well, we're about to move away. Well, Exactly where they're moving away, one of our group uh, knew that area, knew a good church in that area, gave them the contact information where they could get discipled and get. I mean, it was at that point, it was like, well, of course we have somebody who knows exactly where they're moving to. It, you know, God ordained this. It wasn't even a surprise at that point. Went wonderfully. That was that was one of those things that just really builds your faith when you're like, wow, God really arranged that. We didn't really go with an agenda other than to share the gospel. And it turned out great. 
Tell you about another in, uh, another time I went that did not go so well. Went with a different group, different place. Uh, me and another guy, we start, we're going to go street witnessing. And uh, he had a little bit different approach. He would kind of start to talk to people, you know, and people would start opening up. And then as they opened up, he started criticizing, critiquing, insulting them on like a very personal level. Like, and we never got to the gospel. By that point, they were angry before we even got, yeah, it, no, it, it didn't work. Uh, I was still pretty new to it, but I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure this is not the right way to do this. Uh, so we, that was a very long day, a uh, frustrating day, because people got really mad at us, and it wasn't that they, I, I wouldn't say they were mad at the gospel. I'd say they are just mad at, our, at the opinion and the criticism they were getting, the insults, uh, to the point that we didn't, as you might imagine, we didn't win anybody. We didn't even get to the gospel because we couldn't get the gospel through the filter of personal opinions, personal preferences, criticisms, insults. Didn't get the gospel through that. Part of that, and I've skipped ahead, I do want to touch on this verse. As we go through uh, life, Second Corinthians 2.14, I'll put it up there. This is part of what, if we're genuinely living for Christ, what it's going, the offense that it's going to cause. So this is the part where, when we're witnessing at the fall festival, and people are just annoyed with us, they're annoyed, they don't, or they're they're upset that we're talking about Jesus. This is what what we ran into. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. That's a really interesting analogy, the aroma of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. Those are the, the, the young ladies that we ended up ministering to, and those who are perishing, likely the, some of the ones that were offended. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other, an aroma that brings life. Who is equal to such a task? It's another one of those verses that doesn't end up on a bumper sticker. You are the aroma of death among the. <laughs> it really interesting. Started thinking about uh, aromas, smells. You know, if you if you see something you don't like, you can look away or close your eyes. If you hear something you don't like, you can cover your ears. And an aroma. Think of something like a like a skunk smell. There's just no getting away from that because you have to breathe. So whether it's your nose or your mouth, you're still taking that in. You're just you can't get away from an, a bad aroma, an aroma that that smells like death. You can't get away from it. And that's what we're compared to to those who those who are rejecting Christ to the world that hates us. We're we're like a bad smell. We stink. Like, and that 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 is. Uh, Interesting thing to think about, and like, wow, what to them? We smell bad, not because we're trying to be mean to them, not because we're being hateful to them or doing or, or insulting them or doing something like that. Because because we're, we are carriers of Christ, and and we remind people, wow, there really is a, a, a life. There really is life and death after after we die in this life. There really is a heaven and a hell. Those things cause a, cause people to say. I don't want to think about that. I just want to shut that out and enjoy life right now. I don't want to think about what happens after. 
But we naturally bring that up. We naturally, just, just being followers of Christ, we naturally cause people to have to think about life and death and heaven and hell and judgment and sin. And where we're trying to get them to is repentance and the love. We want to get them to God's love, but we got to, to get there, you kind of have to establish those other things too. Have to, otherwise, you'd never understand what the point of God's love is. I'm going to go ahead and skip on, though, to uh, Connie on the slides. 1 Corinthians 19. I'm just going to jump up past uh, the, the one for James. Sorry. Appreciate your work. <laughs> so to con- contrast the two experiences I had with street witnessing. So that first one, well, 2 Corinthians 2 there, That's that, that was the first experience. It was some people were open, some people were not, some people treated us like we smelled bad. Some people treated us like we were bringing life. That, that was great. So here's 1 Corinthians 9. This is what I want to talk about where we're the problem. The second experience I had where we're insulting or our criticism, our culture, our politics, our, I've got a whole list of them. All us, our personal preferences, the way we're acting and what we're saying is the problem, and, and we can't get the gospel through to people because we're in the way. Because like the, one, the, like the guy that I was witnessing with, his personal assessment of, of these other people's lives blocked us from even being able to minister to them because he would just insult them and they would get offended and leave, which most people would. So the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Now, I know reading through that, uh, I want to kind of break that down a little bit, because... uh, and I'm pretty sure it was even Peter that says that sometimes Paul's writings were a little hard to understand. He wrote very long sentences, put little things in parentheses there. Let's break that down. Basically what he's saying is, if I'm talking to a Jew, I try to relate to them as much as a Jew as possible. If I'm talking to someone that, that knows the law, I'm going to try to relate to them under the law. Even though I'm saved in Christ and I'm not bound by the law, I'm going to still try to reach them and what they understand. Someone who doesn't know the law, I'm going to try to reach them in a way that they understand. I'm still under the law. I'm not allowed to, to sin because of that. It's not an excuse to forget. He said, I'm still under Christ's law. I can't, I can't participate in sin like what they're doing, but I need to reach them in a way they understand. If they're weak, I become weak to try to reach them. This this is what we, now if we took this and we put it in that second experience that I had with with street witnessing which would have changed dramatically because it would not have been well let me insult you for for 
the decisions you've made in life. It's been, you know what, we've, we've, we've both made mistakes. Let me tell you about the one that you really need to know. Let me tell you about the one who can bring you through those mistakes and give you, and, and give you a good life now. And, and ultimately, salvation in, in, uh, at, when we die. It would have become this, so this mentality, when we, when we have this uh, attitude that happens in these, this, this other mentality within the church, we've got one mentality in the church that says, well, don't offend, don't ever offend anyone, don't do anything controversial. We've got this other mentality that says, uh, offend everybody about everything, pretty much. Just, just argue over everything that's going on and, uh, and offend people with ourselves, our own Opinions, our cultures, our own mindset. I'll go through a list here in a second. This is uh, this is to someone to someone who's weak. I become like someone who's weak. So this mentality of walking into someone else's life. Well, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to fix everything wrong with your life. Might not be the best approach. We may need to relate to them and say, "Hey, the, yeah, we're I'm, I'm flawed too. Let me tell you about the one who forgave me and has given me given me hope." So what are the things that kind of get in the way? Polit- political views? I, I was looking at this, and I'm like, do I even want to bring this up? But y- yes. Political views, local culture. You know, there's a difference in this area. We, we're in the Midwest, kind of, or kind of South, kind of a mixture of Southern culture, Midwest culture. And that can hinder us from relating to somebody from the East Coast or the West Coast. You, if you see... You kind of get to know. I, I work with people in different offices around the world, or in, and across the country. And there's there's just some different mindsets and different attitudes. The living in a different part of the country, even even more so in other parts of the world. But I've definitely had the experience of talking to some people in some offices in uh, New York or wherever. I'm like, this feels like talking to somebody from a different country. It, it's just different than our region. We can't let that be a stumbling block to us. What about uh, denominational beliefs or debatable theologies? And I put debatable theologies in there because there are things the Word of God clearly says that we have to stick with. It's not just a have to stick with. It's, it's very good. We must stick with certain things the Bible says clearly. But there's a lot of room for debates and arguments and different theologies that split us apart. And... What can happen is we may be trying to witness to someone who needs Christ, and we could end up, well, let me convert you to my denominational theology or my my favorite podcast teacher, uh, trendy theology, whatever it is. But let me try to let me try to indoctrinate you with that instead of giving you the gospel. That can that can mess us up. It can be our own insecurities or pride. Well, I also put in here generational. There's a, there's kind of a mindset now where we're like oh for some people look at it look at a younger generation like oh these these guys soft or snowflakes or whatever you want to call them uh, if you approach if you need to witness witness to somebody and you approach them with that mindset of wow you're just inferior and, and weak and you, you can get in the way of trying to witness to them that can really be a stumbling block to to them. I know I, I understand both these mindsets that I'm talking about. I understand where they're coming from. I understand not wanting to offend people. I understand getting frustrated and wanting to 
to start speaking from self. Really, it's this is not accusatory of anybody. I I really do appreciate this, but it's so important that we confront these things. So there are actual things in the Bible that now we might call political, but they're actual moral issues that the Bible says we have. We and we have to take a stand on what the Bible says. There's all these other things, though, that are debatable, that are personal preferences, that are or whatever. We need to be very careful that we're not labeling personal preferences as this is what this is God's way, when it's actually our way. Ultimately, whatever opinion it is, maybe maybe it's opinions of current news events, coronavirus, riots, election, all 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 those kinds of things. You know, there there are people actual people now in my life that I want to reach, and if I try to talk to them about those things, we would really disagree on everything. And if I start my conversation with them with those things, we are never going to get to the gospel. We're going to get stuck on those things. And never they're never they're not going to get the love of God. We're going we're going to get stuck on my opinion versus their opinion. And the problem is even if I won, if I won the debate and I converted them to all my points of view, that's not going to save their soul. They might agree with me on everything and still be going to hell, and what did I accomplish? It would have been far better for them and myself if I gave them the gospel. And we might talk about the other things along the way somewhere, but, we're, but the, the, the message is the gospel. They need, they need to know Christ. Within the church... There are believers that are falling away. They are leaving the church because they just they differ with the political climate, opinion climate. The other, they're 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 like I have ideas that are different. I have questions, and I, I can't I can't seem to function in the the church environment, the certain political environments within certain churches, and they fall away. And we we need to be careful that we are willing. We may need to discuss some of those opinions and issues and things, but we want to make sure that we are firmly established on the love of God, the love of Christ, and when we are insisting on a certain thing, that it is the Bible and not not us. And then we can explain why we have to insist on this point of view because of the Bible. That's good. That's healthy. That's good teaching. That's, that's very important. But if we are just kind of throwing all our opinions around and then somebody ends up leaving the church or falling away from Christ because they say, well, I just don't fit into that culture or that climate— We've really hurt ourselves. We've we've hurt the body of Christ. We've we've messed up there. So that's not a new thing though for the church. Uh, Galatians two, eleven. I, I love this. I, I love that. Uh, I don't think I have it typed out. I think I was just going to re- refer to it, but I'll go ahead and read it for you. So I love how honest the Bible is about about uh, even even the iconic figures about the mistakes they make. The Bible is just very honest and transparent about it. I love that. So in Galatians 2, I'll read it for you, 11 to 14. There's a name here, Cephas, which is actually Peter. So just the Apostle Peter. and the, So the Apostle Paul is talking about a conversation that he had with the Apostle Peter. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Well, that, that's an interesting thought, right? The, the iconic Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter, and, and they're having an uncomfortable discussion. They are, they are disagreeing on something. And what is it that they're disagreeing? I opposed him to his face 
because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? I know we might think, okay, Jew, Gentile, I'm, I'm, I'm an American. What, what is this? Uh, th- this was kind of uh, this was their big. This was a huge issue of division in that church in the church at that time. The circumcision, the Jew versus Gentile. Do Gentiles have to become Jews and then Christians? All of that big controversy. So uh, the Apostle Paul took issue with the Apostle Peter, had a confrontation face-to-face because the Apostle Peter was beginning to, not because he took some grand position, he just began to separate himself from certain groups of people. Well, we're of a different, I'm a, kind of afraid what this group's going to think, so I'm going to separate myself. And it was really important that they kept these Gentiles engaged in the church. And they were splitting apart. They were drifting because of this this. uh Division that was not a biblical division. The early church had to constantly deal with this. The Apostle Paul, particularly, had to constantly deal with the circumcision issue, and this was causing division. And the the unity within the body of Christ was more important than what some group of people thought. Much more important than their that group, this group of opinion. Do you, do you see how we could take this and apply it to issues today? It's the point of this message. So hopefully you can. Uh, that we see, oh, well, I've kind of got my group and they've got their opinions. Am I alienating somebody that I need to, that I need to make sure is, is staying in the body? Am I, am I causing, am I causing a problem over something that's not truly scriptural and causing maybe discouraging somebody and somebody leaving or, or being disconnected from the body because, well, we kind of have our own little group here, our own opinion. And this is what we follow. I wanted to give you another example, Acts uh, 17, really large section of Scripture, but I wanted to just point out, it's the account of uh, Paul speaking on the on Mars Hill to the Athenians. So he's talking to a, a bunch of Greeks, and he doesn't approach them. He's talking to them about Christianity. He doesn't approach them as a Jew. He approaches them, he goes around town, he starts to learn about them, and he sees all their altars, and he's really concerned by the way they're living, but he doesn't attack the way they're living. He tries. He comes to them and says, oh, you have this altar to the unknown God. Let me tell you who he is. You don't know him, but let me tell you who, who he is. Rather than coming and saying, I'm a, I'm a Jew, and you've got all these idols, and here's what's wrong with all... Let me give you this laundry list of things wrong with you and how you need to change, and then we can talk about the gospel. No, he approaches it in a way that they understand. Doesn't critique how they're living, just says, I see you're very religious. I've, I've, I've gotten to know you, your, your community here. I see this altar. Let me explain to you the, the, true, uh, the true God that you're, that you're trying to worship. You see how much, how, how much when he's talking about talking to Greeks or those without the law, there is so much self-identity that he has to set aside to be able to do that. 
He has, to, he has to really be, the gospel has to really be going through him to to speak to other people. It's not his own agenda. It's not his own thing. It's not his own list of political, theological, uh, my, my laundry list of, of things that I, of who I am. It's who Christ is. Something hit me the other uh, day, my line of work. Um, I'll tell you a little bit just so it makes sense. Uh, I do background checks on investors that are investing into hedge funds at a, at a pretty high level. So I encounter a lot of political people that have wealth and are investing, and I have to do, I do background checks, including, including those. So I'm thinking about this message, I'm doing my work, and I come across, I'm looking at ambassadors. I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. And I, obviously, I believe the Holy Spirit uh, gave this to me. Looking at it, and like, you know, every uh, elected officials, at every level, state or local or national or whatever, they all have that. Uh, they all have that party. They have the little little D or the little R or the little uh, the I. You know, they're Democrat or Republican or they're independent. They are identified with a party. They have a party affiliation. That's what they run on. That's the platform they stand on. You look at an ambassador. An ambassador is not elected. They're appointed with a message, and they don't have any political affiliation. They don't have any. You don't have ambassador so and so. Oh, they're a Republican. It's no. They're, it's ambassador so and so. The message that they have is a. They have a message that as a. They're representing our countries to another to another country. They're representing the United States to somewhere else. The, they don't have the luxury of a of a political affiliation. The message they have supersedes whatever their feelings are. I'm sure if you talk to them, they would have political opinions, naturally, right? But the message that they're representing supersedes their own feelings. And you probably know where I'm going with this, going to 2 Corinthians 5. So an ambassador is somebody who has this message that's more important than what their personal beliefs or opinions are. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, so God, God's reconnected with us, and now he's given us this message to help others reconcile or reconnect with him. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. That's where I was going with this. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The message of the gospel as ambassadors, sure we have our own beliefs and opinions. I'm not, I, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that's wrong by any means. But we do. We're carrying a message and a, and a responsibility that supersedes ourselves, our opinions, our feelings. We have this message of reconciling people to God. But we can't let our own message get in the way of that message. And I would say, you know, imagine yourself as a uh, as a king. You're a ruler of a country, and you send ambassadors to this other group, and you've got a very important message for them. And then you hear back, and you say, oh, how's it going? Okay, well, some of your ambassadors are too afraid to deliver your message because they don't want people to be mad at them. And this other group, they're fighting over their own opinions with each other and with the group. 
and your message isn't getting through them either. How are you going to feel about that? Like, wait, I, I sent you, you know, I'm, I'm the ruler here, and I sent you this message, and my message can't get through this group because you're, you're too afraid to, to, to deliver it, and this other group because you're busy arguing with yourselves, among yourselves, and, and arguing with them about other things. And like, I need my message to get through you clearly. That's the position that God's in with us. Uh, is, our, is his message getting through us clearly, or are we, uh, are we fighting with our fellow ambassadors in front of the group we're supposed to be ministering to? Or are we fighting with the group we're supposed to be ministering to over things that are not his message? Or are we kind of hiding amongst our own group and saying, well, I don't, wanna, I don't want people mad at me, so I don't want to deliver this message. Yet we are his messengers. So I want to say um, maybe a little bit of practical application and maybe a little bit of telling on myself, too. I, in thinking through this, I, I've been recently looking at my own Facebook, my own social media, my own Facebook. And I kind of thought I was doing pretty good. You know, you know that feeling when you think you're doing pretty good and then the Holy Spirit starts talking to you about it and like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not so good. Uh, so I thought, well, I haven't really gotten tied up in a lot of arguments or anything like that. Look, and then I start looking at it and going, does any of this profile point to God, or is it just me? You could go through my, going through my social media. Oh, you, you could learn some things about me. You probably figure out some of my beliefs, but would you get to know Him through that? I, I didn't feel very good about it when I started looking at it that way. I also know I, I know that there's a lot of people right now wanting to leave certain platforms, and I I, to, I totally get why. But my uh, my question to you is: Do you have friends on those social media platforms that need the gospel that need that need somebody to positively influence them towards Him? And if you do, I, I would. I know for me, I don't want to abandon that group of people that. I don't necessarily get to see them a lot in person, but sometimes you post something, somebody sees it. I remember back um, a few years ago, the Lord kind of gave me, so there was times the Lord would kind of give me something, and I'd post a little something on Facebook. Somebody I wasn't even thinking about would say, I needed to hear that today. Oh, that was so cool. That hasn't happened to me lately, I'll be honest with you. When I, I kind of got onto my own opinions and things, and that kind of stopped happening. I haven't, I haven't necessarily had. I've gotten plenty of likes and, and positive feedback from like-minded people, but I haven't necessarily had that, wow, I reached somebody that I wasn't even, I didn't even, wasn't even thinking about them today, but wow, God spoke to them through something I posted. I missed that, and that's something I, I want to have happen again in my life. Uh, I wonder how much the early church, you see uh, Paul's heart here through several of these verses, what they would have done with the tools that we have, the, the online tools and the social media tools. It, it, I, I'm quite sure it would have been very focused on him and less on ourselves. I hope this is spoken to you today. I know God's dealing with it with me. I know having a, a word from the Lord that, all, that basically introduces your message for you is very encouraging. Feel pretty good that you're on the right track. But I, I really appreciate you guys. I really hope this has spoken to you today. Uh, if I'd like to go ahead and close in a word of prayer and then uh, turn it back over to Pastor Chad. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for, thank you for your word. Help us to get ourselves out of the way and let you minister through us. 
Thank you, Lord, for using somebody who's not even a confrontational person, but to talk about being willing to offend people for you, Lord, because we want to reach those that, that need you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. I ask you to minister to all of our hearts today. In your name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a great message. How many think it was a great message? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. We have so many uh, qualified people to deliver the word. And uh, I don't know how many have sat under Jason's teaching, but he's been teaching at church for a long time. And that was a very deep word. At this time, we're going to have the worship team playing. And um, there's a point in the sermon that's called the application period. You know, where you expound on everything, you challenge those who are listening, and then there's a period of time where we have to apply it. And if we don't apply it, then the message has, doesn't have meaning for us. And so this period of time as we worship, I want you to really evaluate what type of ambassador you are. That really struck me. You know, we're here forever, forever for however long God has put us here. We are His ambassadors. And we're as ambassadors for reconciliation. Now that's a big word that just means we're trying to put people in a right relationship with the Lord. And so it really struck me, it was a perfect analogy. If you're an ambassador to a foreign country, your personal opinion really shouldn't be involved in the message you're delivering to that other country. You're not a Democrat, you're not a Republican, you're there to deliver the message from the president to that foreign nation. You're representing our nation to that foreign nation. So I would just really ask all of you as we go and we worship, you know, it's only uh, 1145. He's much more efficient than me. But 1145, we have a few minutes here to worship and just say, God, examine me. You know, are my opinions getting in the way of helping people love you more? And if our opinions are getting in the way, if our attitudes are getting in the way, are we like that person he was talking about that offended people so bad with their behavior that the gospel never became a part of the equation? And uh, I mean, I think that's a good thing for us to evaluate about our lives. You say, well, man, I'll do that at work. I should do that at work, and I should do that when I'm ministering to people. Or, or, or... But you know what? We have family members we don't do that to. You know, you say, well, I like my family when they all agree with me. And that's what this message is about. Whether they agree with you or they don't agree with you, we've got to find a way to reach them and not stand in the way of them getting right with the Lord. And you say, man, that's going to take a lot of work. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do that, <laughs> honestly. And that's why we're here. This is the base, right? This is the place where we work on those things and we sharpen each other and we love one another and we encourage one another. And we go home and we pray and we say, God, today, make me that kind of person. And I can just tell you from experience, I had a lot of rough edges when I came to the Lord and I still have a lot of rough edges. But I'm not the same minister that I was 25 years ago. I've learned to reach people. I've learned to take my opinion and throw it aside. And so as we worship here, I just want you to rise to your feet here. And let's just uh, 
find a way to examine. Maybe you need to sit down. Maybe you need to find a seat to pray at. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you. We're here for you. But examine our lives and let's try to be the kind of ambassadors that God's made us. Figure out why God put you here. You might be here for a few years. You might be here for 50 years. But we're here for a purpose. That purpose is to be his ambassadors, all right? Thank you, Lord, and as we go throughout this week, be with us. 